Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 33 of Somos Moss. Uh, my name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Thank you guys so much for being here. Joining me tonight, as always, we have Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. And we're going to talk some New Mexico United. We've got some other things on tap tonight. And uh, can't wait. It's been kind of a slow week, slow news week, as far as the club is concerned. But we've got some other things to talk about. Before we get into the show, though, I do want to ask you guys one burning question. When it comes to major sports leagues... You know, we all we know that they all have major TV TV rights deals and things like that. Do you feel like these leagues and clubs have a responsibility to put their product out to as many people as possible, or is it in their best interest? And should they just go after the big contracts? Uh, it's in their best interest to put it out to everybody that they possibly can. Because the more people they put it out to, the more people are going to buy their merchandise. It depends. I th- to me, it depends on what entity you're talking about. If you're talking about the NFL, they, I mean, so they should all probably look out for the fans, seeing as that's what drives the league. But I think if you're the NFL, you have a fan base that is large enough and devoted, devoted enough that no matter who offers you the biggest bucks, you choose them and the fans will follow. Even if they like, say they choose Amazon um, and like have Amazon only for Monday nights, the football fans out there are already going to, are going to get it because if they don't already have it, because they want it. If you're baseball, on the other hand, you probably need to make that as, easily accessed as possible because you don't have a large group of devoted fans anymore and you need to get casual eyes on it to try to win over those fans. Same if you're soccer, especially soccer in the United States. I think having it on ESPN, if you're USL or even MLS or Fox, if you're MLS, especially if it's just Fox and not Fox sports or FS one, um, that that's where to me, that's where I would go if I was them. Basketball, I think you can put them pretty much anywhere and they'll be the same as they are now. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting question that makes me ask why why that question. So there, there actually is a very good reason for this. Now, you know, I, I agree with Earl. You know, I, I feel like these leagues should, and in the, an effort to grow their sport as much as they possibly can grow their exposure. They need to put their product out to as many possible places and as many possible places to reach as many people as possible. Now the NFL, Jacob, you mentioned they've got, obviously the the NFL has a huge TV rights deal with, with Fox and CBS that showcases, you know, the vast, well, I should say, I won't say the vast majority, but regionalized coverage of their, of their teams. So like if we live, you know, obviously here we get the Cowboys a lot or we get Denver or we get, you know, maybe Oakland, you know, or I mean, not necessarily the Cardinals so much because the Cardinals really aren't big here from what I can tell. Um, but they also have products like, you know, NFL Red Zone or the NFL Network where you can go or the, you know, the direct TV packages where you can watch whatever team you want to watch. And they're going to make their, you know, if you're if you're diehard for one team, then you're going to want to want to watch your one team in terms of the NFL. If you just enjoy watching football, no matter who's on, you know, like, like I do, I mean, yes, I like watching my Falcons. I would love to see my Falcons on a, on a weekly basis, but I know it's not going to happen. 
So I'll just sit down and watch whatever's on Fox. And I get so much more exposure to other teams and other players that way. But when you go look at other leagues and you mentioned baseball, baseball obviously is a very, again, very regionalized. And, you know, you have the Fox Sports Networks. Well, it's not longer Fox. It's they're the Bally Sports, you know, whatever it is uh, across the across the U.S. now. Well, that's it's not that everywhere because like for the Rockies, all their games are on AT&T Sportsnet, Rocky Mountain. And I think Pittsburgh has AT&T Sportsnet and one other place has AT&T Sportsnet. So and then the it, it so it is very regionalized where it's, you know, if you want to watch Rockies games, it's on this local network. If you want to watch like Yankee games, it's on, um, is it yes? I couldn't remember if it was yes or the other one. So, so like every team has a channel that 95 to 99% of their games are on. And then they have what, like one Fox Saturday game. And then a couple of ESPN games. Yeah. To me, it seems very constricted. And then they do, of course, have MLB.tv, which is a paid subscription. Unless you're a T-Mobile subscriber over the past few years, you get a free subscription to MLB.tv. And so I can watch every single Braves game live, you know, uh, except for when they play the Dodgers. We're a blackout area for the Dodgers for some reason. Yeah, it's it's dumb. It's like the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. I can't watch, but everyone else I can. But uh, yeah, so... I think MLB and the Rangers and watch Rangers games, Rangers games. Okay. But, uh, yeah, like, so MLB does that, but then you look at leagues like MLS or USSF, you know, CONCACAF and even the, even the men's national team, they have a deal to where I believe it's like 95% of their matches are all on like FS one FS two or something like that. Like I wanted to watch CONCACAF Champions League this today, which kicked off today. And it's on Paramount Plus. Is it really? It's a CBS Paramount Plus. I did not know that. Are you did talk- you not watch are you talking- did, we- <clears throat> did you not watch the entire national championship game? They advertised CONCACAF on Paramount Plus. That's how I knew. I'll have to look that I did not know that. If that's the case. Yeah. It- if we, I, but so I went looking for it, and the only broadcasts for CONCACAF today were either on TUDN USA, which is a, a paid subscription, and then there was a Spanish language broadcast where you had to have FS1 access, which is through a cable provider. Now, we don't have cable, and I'm sure a vast number of Americans don't have cable anymore just because of the sheer cost of it. And to me, it seems like especially with a league like MLS or a product like us men's national team, you want to get that out there to as many people as possible. So why would you go and put it on obscure networks or streaming services like TUDN or FS1? So I think you're thinking of champions league girl, um, the European champions league, because Everything I'm seeing says it's on Fox Sports One, which is what it was last year. Um, I I think we're getting to a point where there are so many options, and the you know I'd love to have it on Fox to where it was 
available for people with bunny ears to see. I think the assumption is most people don't have bunny ears. Most people have some sort of cable streaming package. Now, I cheat the system every chance I get. Uh, hopefully we don't get, hopefully nobody's listening to this that can get me in trouble there. But um, I have a login for DirecTV through my parents. And that gets me access to watch Fox Sports 1 on my Fire Stick and my phone. So I'm set when it comes to, because I can watch that. I can watch ESPN. I can watch CBS Sports. I can watch NBC Sports. I can watch Altitude, so I can watch my Avalanche games. I can watch AT&T Sportsnet to watch the Rockies games. You're not um, missing much. No, nah, nah, not with the Rockies. I watched a couple games this weekend. I was like, you guys got me all hyped up for baseball, and then they won opening day. And I was like, oh, maybe they're not going to be as bad as I thought. And then they lose three in a row. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a problem, but I don't know how to fix it. I mean, we could, of course, you know, all get, you know, VPNs and then, you know, not let the government know where we're at, you know, and then or watch illegal streams. I mean, those that's always a possibility. But, you know, the the quality of those are what you are, you don't already do that. Not great. <laughs> I know. I, no, no, no. FCC, no. if you're listening, no, we you do see, not watch illegal streams. When when Dana White called out the streamer, I took that personal. <laughs> I mean, I, Jacob, if you look, are you talking co- about if you look confused over your head, it was part of the last dance on ESPN Plus, the Michael Jordan saga docu series, ten parts. Um, he's talking about when one of the players called him out, and he took it personal. I, I know what I know what that me part of the meme is from. I don't, I don't know who the other person is and what they're talking about streaming. Um, you didn't see how Dana White called out the illegal streamers. I don't. I don't pay attention to Dana White. He, I barely pay attention to the UFC. He essentially told them to cut their shit, pay for the fucking subscription, and quit being pussies. I think those are the exact words he used too. To be honest, fair. I guess I don't know. And because he said that. I took it to heart and I started streaming illegally just because he <laughs> called that out. FCC, the views of Earl Nieto, Earl E A R L, are not the views of Somos Mas uh, and Seth and I. I'm the president of this, though, so. <laughs> that's because that's you made the cards that had our titles on it. <laughs> I just think it benefits the, these leagues and clubs more to have their product out there to get that exposure. And I think having like these matches, especially like, you know, the CCL, which, you know, didn't play last year, you know. Well, they did. It was just, well, they finished in December yeah. and started in March or whatever. But it was. yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just one of these random, it was just one of these weird things. Like you've got clubs that, like there was a Costa Rican club that played today. There was a Honduran club that would that played today that we never would have seen otherwise, and a lot of people didn't see it. And like the Portland match, the Portland match down in Honduras was extremely entertaining. Like it was it ended up being a two-two draw, but I think it would have benefited so much more if it had just been out there. Like I know that there are some matches and games that get streamed on Twitter or Facebook Live, and like I think those are better outlets than sticking it on FS1. 
But at the end of the day, the money from the TV deals pay the bills. That's what the in in the majority of sports, mm-hmm. the cap, the salary cap, or in baseball, there's no cap, so it's just a free for all. But like in football, they're about to negotiate a new deal. When that deal happens, they're expecting the salary cap to jump like thirty million dollars a year. Um, so at the end of the day, it's it's not necessarily about how many eyes you can get on it. It's about who pays the most. They're not gonna they're not gonna stream matches on Twitter for free just to get more eyeballs on it because they would lose so much revenue. I could see them doing like one match a week and being like, hey, the Twitter match of the week is Philadelphia Union versus Red Bulls 2 and putting it up there. That would be a terrible and match of the week. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Philadelphia won the Supporters' Cup last year. Philadelphia won the Supporters' Shield last year. They did there lose a season. Yes, there was. I watched it with my own two eyes. <laughs> no, I get what yeah, you're, you're saying. you're blind. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, No, you don't want to put every match out there. But I would think that for prominent matches, specifically something like CONCACAF Champions League, something that has uh, an impact on you know clubs go- potentially going to the club world championship or things like that. Like I think that those types of matches or you know championship finals, those need to be put out there for as many people as possible. I don't think that those matches are going to draw the casual viewer in when they ha- I think if you asked half of the people even soccer fans in America what is CONCACAF Champions League? They would be like, "Oh yeah, I think it's it's something where we send some MLS teams and they always lose." And so I don't I don't follow it. And you're right on point. So because of that, they're not, I think they look at it and say, hey, FS1, FS1 comes to them and say, hey, we'll pay you this much to have those games on our league or on our channel. And they're like, that much? Yeah, sure. Why not? Nobody else, we're not expecting to gain viewers or gain fans from that. So for us, for us three right here, or maybe not even Earl, because Earl doesn't know what's going on half the time in MLS anyways. But for like Wait, me and Seth here, what what's MLS? <laughs> exactly, my point exactly. It's a real um, thing. <laughs> we we want to watch those games, but we're not casual fans. I don't think. I think we're a little beyond that. And if there's if they're on FS1 and we want to watch them, chances are if we really wanted to, we'd find a way. I I do. I found ways last year. I didn't realize it started this week. Otherwise, I would have watched games today. So that's not for the casual fan. What's going to get the casual fan is LAFC versus Galaxy on a Sunday afternoon when nothing else is really going on. That's going to be the sports fan that's flipping through the channels and goes, oh, look at this. It's on ABC or Fox um, or ESPN. They're going to be like, I'll check this out. And then if that game's good, like it has been for so many years now, that's going to draw them in. That's going to be like, oh, okay. I need to check out more of this MLS. And then they'll 
the thought process would be they would go look for it and then find it on FS1 and find a way to watch it if they really wanted to. You literally just described me with the Masters in Golf. Oh, oh, okay, Earl. So glad you brought this up. I'm so excited for Masters weekend, like beyond, like super stoked for it. And and let me tell you what the Masters does that CONCACAF should do. The Masters has their own app. And you can watch every shot at the Masters on this app. And it is the highest quality app I have ever watched anything on in my life. The ESPN app sucks balls compared to this app, which it sucks anyways, but that's another conversation for another day. But if CONCACAF really wants to do this, like March Madness does this too. March Madness has the, the March Madness app. And yes, you have to log in to a TV subscriber for the March Madness app. But I watched every single game that I wanted to on the March Madness app. I didn't watch it on CBS. I didn't watch it on anything. I just watched it on the app. And it's because the app works great. Same with the Masters. So what CONCACAF should do is just make their own freaking app. Even if you're going to charge like for the whole CONCACAF from start to finish, 10 bucks. I'd pay 10 bucks to watch all the CONCACAF matches if the app was good. So I don't know why they don't like abstract things like that, like CONCACAF. And I'm not saying the Masters is abstract by any means. I mean, it's the biggest tournament, golf tournament in the world by far. But if CONCACAF did something like that and still had some of the matches on FS1, but say, hey, you can watch them on FS1. If you don't have FS1, 20 bucks get you all the CONCACAF matches. People would do that. Yeah, they would. So CONCACAF, you're welcome for the idea. Uh, if you go with it, I expect to see money going into my account. Um, or at least give it to me for free. <laughs> so um, what is that account number? So I can let them know. I also need yeah, the routing number. Okay, I'll, I'll get it to you off air. <laughs> wait, wait, what, what fun is that? Well, you can still steal the $3 that I have in it. <laughs> wait, you have $3? Man. Yeah, I'm rolling Fort, in it. Fort Nowhere's paying you good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you guys kind of set me up there, right? uh, heading on to our next topic. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw the, the title of the Twitch stream. But uh, all this kind of all this Somos talk Mas. here, someone's Mas. Yeah, there you go. Um, so speaking of like where you're gonna watch stuff and things like, that, Jacob, do you know what starts eight o'clock on Thursday morning? The Masters. <laughs> there you go. Eight a.m. Thursday morning, Augusta National. I I haven't seen if they're gonna allow fans or or spectators there or not, but uh, I believe they are. It would be it would be really nice to see if they have spectators there. It's only been a couple months since the last installment of the Masters due to COVID last year, but uh, I'm excited. Now you're I know you're super excited about this. I've been doing some research into it over the past few days. Um, I've so who do you got winning it? Let's just cut to the chase. Who do you got winning it? <laughs> Picking golf winners is is throwing a like finding a needle in a haystack. It's it's damn near impossible. Uh, with that only, being said, go ahead. There's only one true answer for this. So who who do you got? Please please say Tiger Woods, Earl. 
See, I would have had he not broke his freaking leg. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you knew that because I thought you were going to be like, it's Tiger Woods, duh. And I was going to be like, Earl, Earl, nope. he's not playing. But, Jack Nicholas. Yeah, that's much better. That's much better. <laughs> he can at least play right now, so. He can. He'll, he will at least hit a shot at the Masters because he tees it off. He's the ceremonial opening tee shot every year. See, I'm upset because I got snubbed, so. Yeah. Next year. Next year. Maybe. Speaking of, of, of being snubbed from it, Seth, have you ever been to Augusta? I have. I have been to Augusta. I've never actually been there during Masters Week. You've been there too, Earl? Mm-hmm. What the hell? I need to get 20, to Augusta then. 2017. I, went, I was with TSA at the time, and they flew us out to Glencoe, Georgia, which is like... 45 and a half minutes away from Augusta. And they give me like you said, 45, 45 and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Had it down uh, to seconds. They give you one free round if you're a golfer. To Augusta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For TSA? I need a job at TSA <laughs> fucking tomorrow. Yeah, I've played Augusta. I've played you know how hard it is once. to play yeah. Augusta? It's super fucking you play hard. Augusta? I play Augusta. Yeah, it's... <laughs> okay so there will be no new united news we're just going to talk about seth's round at augusta i i am by no means a good golfer but no it, yeah i've been to, i I've am been a down there. terrible golfer yeah yeah i've been down there i've played one round it was it was so much fun just you know even just being there um it, it was an experience How? i've never been uh my grandfather worked down in that area for quite a while. Uh, he was a land surveyor up there. And so uh, he had connections and we were able to get in there and uh, play one round. Guys, guys, my mind, <laughs> my mind is gone. You have no idea how much my mind is blown right now. When, when was this? How long ago was this? Oh, this was years ago, probably, you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago, somewhere in there. Did you play Earl or did you just yeah. get offered? To play? No, I played what around. The... <laughs> I think he just, I think he just quit. <laughs> We've broken Jacob. Guys, guys. I've also played at Phoenix. Not... I don't care about that. I care about Augusta. <laughs> how, do you, how do you not introduce yourself to me and say, hey, I'm so bit off. I've played Augusta. <laughs> how, do you, how do you not start with that? I'll, I'm getting on those cards right now. Hang yeah, on a minute. There you go. They'll, they'll be they'll be in your email in about 42 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's just it's just a, a tremendous experience. I mean, obviously, yeah, no shit. It's Augusta. <laughs> the, I mean, easily the the best course that I've I've ever played ever. You know, step yeah, on no and, shit. It's Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can continue, guys. I seriously, I'm crying. I have tears. I don't know why. I'm just emotional that I know somebody that's played Augusta. Two people. What? And how? how is the best golfer and the one that golfs every chance he gets, the one that hasn't played Augusta? I don't understand this. I don't understand this. The world wait, is wait, broken. The world I, is golf, broken I golf every chance I can, too. Yeah, but your chances are far and few between, I guess. Well, or yeah, you, do you just not practice? I just don't practice ever. 
don't I've played in golf tournaments. I've won golf tournaments. How have I not played Augusta? And you two have. Well, I grew up there, so I I was so in T- I, can, I was in TSA. It's federal. I can kind of get you, Seth, <laughs> just a little bit. Even though I mean Georgia's a big place. So even growing up in Georgia and playing Augusta don't necessarily go hand in hand. The fact that Earl has played Augusta, I, I National Security. Okay. (laughs) Carrying on to my question. So who do you have winning it? How the fuck have you guys played Augusta? (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, So I'm a giant Spieth fan. I have been since his first time ever playing Augusta when he played with Bubba in the final round and lost. Um, And he he seems to finally have some semblance of his game back. And he has always played very, very well at Augusta. Um, I know it's kind of hard to win the week before Augusta and the week of Augusta, but um, he's going to be my pick with my heart anyways. Um, My head is probably leaning towards anybody else just because it's, golf and who the hell knows but uh my official pick will be spieth just because well at least you're a smart man yeah i I heard on the radio this morning not smart enough to play augusta Uh, (laughs) or not or not good enough one of the two you guys have played augusta (laughs) i've golfed with seth i know how good seth is (laughs) and he's played augusta you know do you have any? I, I I have to ask. I can't I can't get away from it just yet. I have to ask both of you. Was there any one shot that you still remember vividly at Augusta? It doesn't have to be a good shot. It, it maybe it's just an image. Maybe it's sitting on on twelve, the par three, looking over and going, "Wow!" And with the little creek in front of it. And, and I would, if you guys kept score, I would love to know if it was like a hundred to hundred and fifty or higher. Because that course is no joke. I was way higher than 150. I'll let you know now. Yeah, I, I have like, no I actually, I, was at. I just like gave up counting because I was that fucking bad. Um, the one I do actually remember my one shot or one shot from Augusta. The opening shot. I mean, the first tee yeah. was like, holy shit, this is Augusta. Like, this is actually fucking happening. Yeah, teeing off on the uh, there the, the first hole or teeing off at eighteen, you know, I, those mm-hmm. are, those are two shots are just you know those are memories like you'll never forget. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm happy, sad, or furious that you guys have played Augusta. <laughs> I have so many emotions going through me right now. You know, I, we'll, we'll get maybe you can get out there one day. I'm, I'm going would, to try my ass off to do it, but I didn't I think say, that you two would have played it. I was going to say, we can get you out there, but it's fucking expensive, so yeah. you're on your own, bud. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seth, I don't know if you know this, but there's a dog behind yeah, you. Yeah, no, I've got, there's one down here, like under the desk, and one <laughs> back here. They're both, they're both in here in the office with me for some reason tonight. I don't know why. Okay. Yeah. Well, you guys talk about who you guys have winning Augusta. 
I have to go tell my wife that you guys have played Augusta <laughs> and Vic for just a second. <laughs> uh, this is commercial break. <laughs> I have Jordan Spieth. Like, like I told Jacob, he's a smart man. I have Jordan Spieth. Yeah. He has always been my favorite post um, Tiger Woods era. So Jordan Spieth has always been my guy. Yeah, Spieth has had a few down years. I think I heard on the radio that it had been something like 1,400 days or something like that since he last won uh, a tournament. Yeah, this is probably his best year he's had so far. Um, And it's only because – and it's still kind of fresh in the new year. But, yeah, he's had quite a few down years in a row. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, because I think it was like 1,400 days – is what I heard. And then he started out as, uh, I think at one point he was like 400 to one or 600 to one odds to win the masters this year. And now he's pr- almost the favorite thing, like 11 to one or something like that. I mean, could you imagine buying a, a, a ticket on him at, you know, four, even 50 to one to win at this point? I mean, that's just absolutely so incredible. He improved from 60 to one to 10 to one since February. Yeah. So he's had an incredible two month stretch. Yeah, he's been, he's been, he's been awesome of late. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, I know he's always played pretty well down at Augusta. Um, so looking forward to seeing how he plays. Uh, I think it's going to be Justin Thomas. I, I, that's what I think. Uh, he's been playing pretty well lately. Also, um, see, I, so my three that I would go with, obviously Jordan Spieth, because that's my guy, Dustin Johnson, because he is on a tear already as it is. And the last one I just saw, I was doing really good was Thomas. Okay. So those are my three. Seth you okay, or Jacob, you okay over there? I'm I'm a little bit better. Um, okay. My wife, my wife put it in my head that one of you is lying at least. So I don't care if you're telling the truth. I'm telling myself that you're lying, just so I can move on with the podcast. Okay. And then after the podcast, we'll talk about it. <laughs> so if we're given three names, um, then yeah, Spieth obviously. Uh, Dustin is a good one, but. Dustin, I just can't. I don't. I don't care for him. I just don't. So I won't throw him out there. I will throw out uh, Colin Morikawa. Um, he's played very well uh, the last year or so. I think he's got a good game for Augusta. So we shall see there. And then uh, Thomas is a good one, but to be different, I'll say John Rom. Okay, John Rom's a good bet. I was thinking Bryson, whatever his face is, his bird charm or something like that. DeChambeau. Sure. That's, that's what it is. Um, like I'm that. also not a giant Bryson fan, and I don't think his I'm going to mash the ball 400 yards and then play wherever it lies uh, is going to fly it or fl- really flies it against us. So I don't think he's going to contend uh, yet. Yeah, no, you've really got to be on your short game at Augusta. I mean, yes, a dry, a good drive helps, but if you can't master your short game there, then you're going to have a tough, tough weekend. Um, well, that's what makes that's what makes Augusta Augusta is it's it's the ultimate 
you can hit the fairway, but are you on the right side of the fairway or the wrong side of the fairway? Like there, you, it's not just about being, your accuracy is so much more important at Augusta, um, on your, both on tee shots and approach shots. Um, and you have to be able to chip the ball because especially when, when Augusta is playing fast and firm and, and the balls really bounce, you know, you're going to miss greens. And when you miss a green there, your chipping has to be spot on. Otherwise you're screwed. You know, a name that I think could surprise people this week, and it's one that hasn't necessarily been fantastic of late, Rory McIlroy. I know he's really fallen off the past couple months, but I think that he could. I like that. I think he could. I've never, I've never liked Rory at all. I, he, I mean, he had, what I like about Rory is when he does a press conference or an interview, he's real. And I always appreciate that, um, as a quote unquote media member, um, I always like getting real answers instead of these canned answers, which coach Lassane, I love you, but, uh, you give us nothing. (laughs) Um, and so listening to like Rory give a, an interview, sometimes he's maybe too honest, but, um, so I've always liked that about him as far as his golf game. Uh, it's, it's not where he could be the best golfer in the world. We say he's struggling right now, and he still finishes in the top ten more often than he misses the cut. But so and so coming into this with no expectations whatsoever, nobody's looking at Rory, uh, nobody's thinking he's going to do anything. So if he can just tread water till Sunday and be within striking distance, I would like his chances. I don't think if he's got the lead going into Sunday, I think he's screwed. I don't think he'd hold on to it. But if he's you know two, three, four shots back going into Sunday. I think he can make a run. Yeah, and you can't forget he finished tied for fifth at last year's Masters. So yeah, and he wasn't even playing good golf going into it. So, so I think he does have a chance. I, I like that pick. I should have thought of him, and I didn't. So shame on me. Fun fact: uh, my son was born on the last Masters. That was actually when the Masters is supposed to be held uh, on that Saturday when Tiger was born, or when Tiger won it the next day. So I remember watching Tiger win it. Uh, while holding my second born uh, two years ago, which was an awesome experience. And this year probably won't be able to top that experience, but um, it's still the Masters, and I'm still greatly looking forward to it. Did you not find a picture, Earl? Because it looked like you were looking for a picture. There is one way that you could top it. I was looking. How is that, Earl? If you were at the Masters. (laughs) So... So playing Augusta and being at the Masters are two different things. <laughs> being at the Masters would be cool. That would be awesome. Playing Augusta, way higher. Okay. Way, way higher to me. Um, so, yes, I would like to go to the Masters, but I don't know if that would top watching Tiger win it the way he did while holding my newborn. Um 
And now we're going to move on. I'm not going to bring it up. Again. We're going to move on. All right. I'm not going to say. Uh, so, you know, we are all sports fans. I mean, that records are made to be broken. And, you know, perhaps one day we'll see a new record at the Masters. But there was a record set tonight in the NBA. Have you guys seen this? Mm-mm. No. Oh, is that the bunch of three pointers? Yes, sir. That is correct. I. Yeah. I yeah, so, so tonight shoot. in the Atlanta Hawks uh, game against oh, the New Orleans shoot. Pelicans, they shot and shot and shot. They may they went eleven for eleven from three point range in the third quarter tonight, which is a new NBA single quarter record, breaking the, rec- uh, the previous that, record. Take that, Curry. <laughs> yeah, no, the previous record was actually held by the Cavaliers, which was done against the Atlanta Hawks when they went nine Time for nine. Um, Timeout. Yeah. Timeout. Seth. Or Earl, sorry, Earl. Is your Steph Curry take the same as your Patrick Mahomes take? No, I just don't like Steph Curry at all. Steph Curry is an incredible basketball player. I just don't like him. So (laughs) what do you have against Steph Curry? (laughs) Thank you, Seth, because I couldn't continue. I just... (sighs) just don't like him i don't like the way he plays i don't like the way he acts i don't like the way i don't like the team he plays on i don't like him okay (laughs) i mean by all accounts steph curry one of the nicest dudes in the nba one of the best shooters we've had in recent memory and okay i can't i can't say i understand it I think it's his arrogance, maybe. I I don't know. I just... If it were between me watching a Phoenix Rising game or Steph Curry, I'd probably shoot myself. I'm... <laughs> guys. 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 I can't find out that you both have played against her <laughs> and that Seth hates or Earl hates Steph Curry in the span of 15 minutes. I, I just, I don't, I'm speechless. I don't. So no. So I, I yeah, I do. I do hate Steph Curry. Don't get me wrong. I do hate Steph Curry, but it's not the level of hate that I have for Patrick Mahomes. Like it's not that type of level. Because I acknowledge Steph Curry is an incredible freaking player. And going one-on-one with him against anyone in the league, including including LeBron James or whoever the up-and-coming new guy is, it's Steph Curry. And I hate that. See, I... Did you always, like, from day one with the Warriors, did you feel that way? Yeah. See, that baffles me, because that first iteration of the Warriors, when they beat the Nuggets in the first round, went toe-to-toe with the Spurs, and lost, that was the funnest basketball I've ever watched in my life. And then when they won their first championship without Durant, that was, like, the pinnacle of basketball to me. Uh, it, it the cutting and the ball movement and the the spacing and the shooting and just everything about it and it and that started with Seth or Steph at the top 
I, I, <laughs> I just don't. To me, if you if you like basketball and you didn't like watching that team, you don't like basketball. I mean, I just don't like the Warriors for one. Um, it's kind of like. Do you have a team? Yeah. It's okay. Miami. See. Okay. Miami Heat. Okay. See that? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't like Steph and that style of play because Miami has always kind of played that style of play and they kind of invented it with LeBron. Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch over there. They had a lot of ball movement, a lot of shooters, so, a lot of cutting. So here's the thing. I actually stopped watching basketball during the LeBron, Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade era because I didn't like the way LeBron left Cleveland. So I didn't watch basketball in NBA for three years, whatever that span was. What was that? Four years? Three. It was three. That's what I thought. So, one, at some point, we're going to do an all Augusta podcast. Um, I'll define my pictures. And, and two, at some point, we're going to do an NBA podcast um, because I, I could go on about both of those subjects until tomorrow. Um, <laughs> If if I if I was given the opportunity to, so I will, I will shut up now and. Not say <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just just run through that throw that out there. A new record has been set in the NBA. Uh, I know that there is talk of uh, LeBron possibly becoming all time points leader soon. Uh, do you guys think that's going to happen this year, or do you think uh, LeBron keeps going? I. I don't know what number he's at, but with the way his body is and the fact that he'll probably play two or three more years, I, I think he eventually gets there. How long he holds on to it, I don't know. Um, with the level of scoring that is going on right now by some players, uh, if they have the career length that LeBron has, he has no chance of holding on to it forever, but uh, I think he will eventually get there. So, to answer your question, LeBron James is at... He's sitting at number three with 35,283 points. Number one is 38,387 points with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, I didn't ask, but thank you. Um, that still means nothing to me without being able to look at it and do math and figure things out. So... Um, I don't see him scoring 3,000 points in three years. I'd even give him five years, and I still don't see him scoring 3,000 points in five years. I think it depends on LeBron. If he wants that record, he will get that record. And everything that we've seen of LeBron, he wants records. So So is LeBron... Is LeBron the Tom Brady of NBA? No. No, because there's a debate on 
who the best is in the NBA um, between Michael and him. And I'm not going to get into that because I think it's very hard to judge players, especially in the NBA, based on error, era. Um, and I think, I think the argument between those two comes down to when Michael played, he was unstoppable and the greatest anybody's ever seen. LeBron has played longer by a lot and had great success and probably had stiffer competition. So it, it's kind of pick your flavor. Uh, do you like, do you like grape or do you like apple better? Some people are going to say apple. Some people are going to say grape. Uh, so I don't think there's a way to tell there with, with Brady. Brady's the best. Brady's the goat of all goats when it comes to the NFL, no matter what you think about him, you cannot look at somebody that's won seven Super Bowls and been in three others in a 19 year career is 42 and just won a Super Bowl with a second team, not with the coach that he won everything else with, not with players that he won everything else with, except for Gronk. Um, nobody's done that. Nobody's done anything like that. Nobody's come close to doing that in the NFL. So, so the Brady LeBron is in a comparison. I don't even think Brady Jordan is really a comparison. Um, I, I think if you look at a single athlete and their sport, Brady has dominated his sport more than any other athlete has dominated their sport. So to touch and just to touch on, it, I'm not even gonna get deep into it. The whole LeBron versus Kobe versus Michael debate, I think is ridiculous because all three of those players played in a different era. If you look back at the, at the Jordan, you had the bad boy Pistons who were just a freaking menace. You had the Bulls who recruited all these people to come in and build a super team, causing another super team to be built. It became a super team era, and then Jordan retired. And then you had Kobe come in, who, yeah, he overlapped a little bit of, of Jordan. Kobe came in, took the NBA, and then he retired. And then you have LeBron, who overlapped Kobe, took the NBA. So there's always that one person in that era and I actually hate the debate of who is the best ever because they're you're the best of that era. I get it. I I have an opinion. I think Jordan's the best ever. Um if you're just looking at peak powers. Um I I think Jordan is peak greater than anybody else in their peak. Kobe shouldn't even be in the in the discussion. In my opinion, I loved Kobe. Let me rephrase that. I respected the hell out of Kobe. Couldn't stand watching him play. Uh, and in fact, if Jordan was a player now, I would hate watching him play. I just don't enjoy that style of basketball. Um, that's why Steve Nash is my favorite player. Not the best player, but my favorite player um, of all time. But I, I, I do think Jordan, Pete Jordan, better than anybody else no matter what era it is. I think Jordan with his ability now 
in the era of no hand checking and all the rules that have been established to help offensive players, he would score 40 a game uh, if he really wanted to. But how we got over here on this topic, I have no idea. So again, I'm going to shut up. So yes, Jordan is the greatest of all time in terms of basketball. Uh, there's no debate there. Uh, you know, he was, he was just, there's a lot of people that would disagree. He was, he was a completely <laughs> dominant force. And honestly, if you look at, it, he was a, I think he was a much more complete player than LeBron has ever been at any point in his career. LeBron is not a good defender. He never has been. Well, okay. He is. He's no, been, no, 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 no. That's wrong. Sorry. I'm not a LeBron fan and I don't like defending LeBron. Young LeBron, not young, not like 19 era LeBron, but like the Miami Heat LeBron was a very good defender when he wanted to be. Okay. Yeah. When he wanted to be, there's that caveat. I mean, yeah, there are, there are countless numbers of, of uh, games and clips out there where you see LeBron just taking plays off like walking down the court, not getting back on defense. And that's not something you ever saw guys like Jordan or Chamberlain or Kareem or those guys, or those guys do. Well, that's, um, Jordan, that's part Jordan of the reason. Retired for a whole season. Jordan retired for a whole season. That's And that's what I was about to say is that's part of the reason why LeBron has been able to play for 18 years is he strategically took plays off not only on defensive side of the ball, but also on offensive side of the ball. And he strategically lined himself up with super teams to prolong that career, not to mention the differences in in health medicine or health sciences, medicine, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, he, he says that he spends $500,000 a year on his body, whether that's the cryo chamber that he has or, or massage therapies or I'm going to move on to just a touch of college basketball. Um, we we had the best game we've seen in several years, followed by the worst game that I've seen in a long time. Um, thoughts on the Final Four and the championship game, Earl? So the Final Four took me by surprise. I completely expected UCLA. Well, let me let me backtrack before I say that. Last week, I completely expected UCLA to get their ass wiped and call it a night. But then Saturday happened. And I was completely blown away by the fact that UCLA, who was in the first four of the damn freaking tournament ran into overtime and probably could have took it to double overtime had they pressed that guy on that last inbounds. Probably could have took it to double overtime. Probably could have won it with Timmy fouling out with the overall number one team in the country. UCLA should have won that game. There should My not point. have there should not have been an overtime. There should not have been a double overtime. But even though there was and had there been a double overtime, I would have saw Timmy fouling out and then UCLA taking it. UCLA played an incredible freaking game. And I was surprised. 
And then Monday happened. And I questioned who the hell Gonzaga was. Well, hold on. I want to talk about the final four game for just a second. Okay. Well, there there was two there were two final four games. One of them was Baylor blowing out Houston. Nobody cares. Uh it was it was a bloodbath from the get-go, much like the national title game. But I want to backtrack real quick. Seth. Why do you say there shouldn't have been an overtime? Because I really want it to be what I think you're gonna what I want it to be, and I want to argue, but I need to know first where you're coming from with that. They should have made. They should have missed that shot. Like there's, they should not have missed that 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 shot. They had two opportunities there to close it out, and they missed that. They missed that shot there. Like, you, why am I blinking on this? What what shot? I, I'm trying to rewind it in my head too, and I cannot figure out which shot. Because the only thing that I the the play that it that finished the first the the end of regulation was the charge call on uh, Johnny Juzang. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I was uh, So I don't remember a shot at the end of the game that could have won it. I mean... And also, it feels like UCLA made anything and everything they threw up. Well, so what happened, if I remember going back to it, there was a... The, UCLA was at the line there late. They missed the they missed one or two, and then they had a chance to... to I think it was uh, at that point pushed to like a three point lead or something like really late. Okay. And then, okay. yeah. And then, you know, Gonzaga tied it back up and then the charge goal, which I think was correct. I think that was, I think that was correct. See, I wanted you to say that it was a block and I was just going to no. lay into you. Because... No, it was... <laughs> <clears throat> he was clearly set outside of the restricted zone. Uh, I mean, clear charge. I mean, there's no question about that, but yeah, and then just in overtime, like you know, UCLA had two chances there right at the right at the very end. You know, they they could have taken taken the lead. Like they missed a shot. Uh, UC and then Gonzaga went down and scored. I, I was trying to remember the whole the whole uh, timeline there, but yeah, like UCLA should have won that. They had an opportunity there at the end of the first overtime uh, to, to push that lead back out, and they didn't do it. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I was really hoping it was going to be the charge call, or the block that Suggs had, and then the he blocks the dunk, gets the rebound, half court, almost like three quarter court bounce pass to I think it was Timmy uh, or Kispert, one or the other, for a dunk. Um, one of the best plays I've ever seen, um, and. I saw so many people on Instagram specifically saying that it was a foul when it was not a foul. And so many people saying that he should have been called out of bounds, which that one, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was wrong or not. I think, I think he might not have established himself fully because uh, it happened really quickly, but um, still one of the best plays that I've ever seen. So uh, I I'm, I'm just super bummed that, they gave everything that game and for what we saw on Monday, they just had nothing left to give. It did just, they were so drained after that one. They just, they looked terrible to start. And then they, it seemed like they would make a run. I remember they cut it to nine, one point in the second half. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's the game. And then Baylor was just like, nah, we're just going to push the lead back to 20. And uh, we're just going to, going to win this walking away. And I was, I was disappointed by that. See, and I liked I liked the way Baylor played. 
especially with them being Baylor played the, phenomenal. Yeah, especially with them being the number two team in the country, right underneath Gonzaga, um, and the fact that they pretty much showed Gonzaga, look, we can we can be the number one team. The fact that they had an answer for every burst that Gonzaga had. Gonzaga at one point I think went on an eight zero run. Didn't let didn't face Baylor because Baylor came right back and put it to twenty points. So Baylor played an incredible freaking game. Um, I wish it was closer. I wish Gonzaga had came out of the locker room in the first half and at least gave us a first half of a game. And then Baylor's come out and say, I was just kidding. Um, you're not better than us. Good night. But we didn't get that. So I was kind of disappointed with the National Championship game. But I... So... I was disappointed because my brain and my bracket said Gonzaga. My heart went for the underdog for Baylor. What I was disappointed in is I don't think it was indicative of how good Gonzaga was throughout the year. And I don't like that because of them getting blown out by Baylor, the narrative changed from they were a great team to, oh, well, they just hadn't played anybody. And then you see them play two teams like UCLA and Baylor, and they were pushed to the test and blown out. So see, it means I, won't, they suck. I, don't, I won't say I know, that. I know you won't, but I've seen a lot of it uh, through friends of mine, through social media, through the regular media, ESPN and all them. Um, some people on there saying it. And I, I don't think that's a true narrative of, how good Gonzaga was this year. Um, so for them to be like, Oh, we'll see what happens when Gonzaga plays somebody that's good. They, they can't, they can't hang. I, I think had it not been, it had it not been coming off of the UCLA game, they wouldn't have looked like that. Um, and I think, I think part of it was Baylor had something to prove. Baylor was like, you guys talked about UCLA all the time or uh, Gonzaga all year and how they were the best team. And we're going to show you something. I don't think anyone can take away what Baylor did this year. I mean, it doesn't matter what conference you play in. If you go th- Gonzaga, you mean? Uh, yeah, Gonzaga, you know, if it doesn't matter what conference you play, in, if you go 30, and know, that's impressive. No matter who you play, like you still have to go in, you know, night in and night out and put out an effort on the, on the court in order to do that. Um, now I don't know if you guys talked about it or not while I had stepped away for a moment, but, uh, Baylor and Gonzaga were actually supposed to play earlier this year. We hadn't mentioned it, but yes, that is true. And it got canceled because of yeah. COVID. And so like, I think this is, and I heard it talked about a lot and you know, this was, I mean, this truly was like the, the top two teams in the nation. And it's not often that we see the best two teams in the nation, you know, in the final of the tournament. And I, and I just, I think this is a fitting end to the tournament, you know, with these two teams, um, you know, obviously the, the result wasn't what a lot of people predicted. I think ESPN tournament predictor said like 10% of people predicted Baylor to win it. So it wasn't a popular pick and Gonzaga obviously was the popular pick. And I think it was like 16.1% of the, of the brackets had Baylor Gonzaga in the final. So yeah, I mean, it, 
which I which I found that hard to believe, you know, that there were so few people that thought that it would happen. But, you know, I, I you know, from what I saw the, of the game, we were at our we had our Bible study Sunday, uh, Monday night. So I didn't catch all of it, but it was it was a fun game. You know, both teams played their hearts out and Gonzaga just didn't have enough. Well, if <clears throat> the beginning of the game, Gonzaga just came out super flat and Baylor came out jacked up. Baylor came out and was out to prove a point. And Gonzaga, any other night, I think, could have taken that blow and kept fighting. But this particular night, they just, they were done after that UCLA game. I think they just gave so much that game. And credit to UCLA, because Gonzaga played a good game, and UCLA stuck right there with them. So, and... I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, well, they Gonzaga played a cupcake schedule and then they, they finally play UCLA and it uh, an, an 11 seed UCLA and it takes them uh, double o- or takes a, a buzzer beater in overtime to beat them. And I'm like, yeah, UCLA beat Michigan, a one seed. UCLA beat everybody that they played. And if you look at the talent that UCLA has, like as far as the recruit recruiting class that came in the last couple of years, their talent is through the roof. They just hadn't been able to put it together until this tournament. So it's, it wasn't like it was like, Oh yeah, this 11 seed startup like VCU, they it took overtime. No, it was freaking UCLA, uh, a very good UCLA team that got hot at the right time. So I, I think, I think the national championship was the right game. I, I personally, didn't watch a whole lot of college basketball, but what I did watch this year before the tournament, Gonzaga seemed like the best team in the world. Um, I I saw Baylor. What part of what my problem was was I saw the one time I watched Baylor was them getting their butts kicked by Kansas when they first lost, uh, and I was not impressed that game. So I I had Gonzaga winning easy, uh, both UCLA and Baylor. Um, so to watch those two games transpire in the way that they did. Definitely surprised me. See, and I had Gonzaga beating UCLA easily. I mean, I didn't think that was a question. Um, I had the national championship game being a little bit closer, like 64 to 72, or maybe it was even 68 to 72. Either way, it was high 60s, low 70s. Um, That's not what we got. Yeah, so... I was just happy to have March Madness back for one. Um, having it, not having it last year, just not having a lot of things last year at this time completely threw me off. So uh, it's good that you know we've got the uh, we're we're back to the familiar beats of opening day baseball, March Madness, Augusta, <sighs> Augusta, um, an in person NFL oh, draft. Uh, yeah, that's a minute. NFL draft is the NFL draft. I don't care. Can we talk about how the Texas Rangers had 40,000 fans in attendance? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how well that goes over here in about a week and a half, two weeks. I I know <laughs> I know that this is going to be uh, a controversial take uh, for a lot of people, including maybe you two, but I freaking loved it. Um, even if Even if it even if it ends up blowing up in our face, uh, which of course it very well might, uh, just to see some semblance of 
pre-COVID life. Uh, I, I, it just gives me hope. That's so it. no, so that is not controversial for me, and maybe for Seth it is, but for me it's not. See, I am a huge sentiment fan, and the fact that it was opening day in their new stadium, it deserves fans. So 40,000 fans in there, okay, Texas is a crazy state anyways, so the sooner they fall off, the better. Yeah, I think if it wasn't Texas, like if it was a California team, I'd be like, what? But because it was Texas, it was just like, yeah, makes sense. Um, Texas has no rules right now anyways, so. Like I said, the sooner sooner they succeed, succeed from the nation, that'd be great. I get what they were wanting to do with this. I do. And I understand it. I understand people want to get back to normalcy. And I know that, you know, Earl, you've been out to Mesa del Sol. Like you've seen, you know, United have fans in attendance. And I think getting back to normal is going to be what a lot of this year is about. And so I understand it. I just think they went about it the wrong way. That That's my thing. I mean, I have no problem with them opening up. I have no problem with them putting fans in the stands. I just think having, you know, a near capacity crowd is the wrong way to do it. I get that aspect of it. Like I've I've been torn through this whole year. Um because I I've lived my life a certain way uh both pre-COVID and post-COVID where I'm not not scared of this virus um and i'm not saying everybody's scared of it but if i get it i get it if it takes me it takes me um i'm not going to go to spring break in florida but i also want to go out to eat at a restaurant i also want to go to a united match i want to go to the zoo um and if those things are offered to me i'm going to still do them Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, uh, even before I had a grandmother-in-law die, I understood that there were certain people that this virus was very dangerous for and took precautions, especially when I still lived in Las Lunas and was right next to my grandma to do what I could to not pass it on to her. So... I've been teetering on this fence of open things up and to the people that are crying that things aren't open, suck it up, wear the mask and move on with your life. Um, and it's, it's a very hard fine line to walk. And when it comes to the Texas Rangers opening their stadium, I'm both super excited to see it and also acknowledging the fact that it could be a very bad idea. Right. So I'm the same way as you. So yeah, I want to see things open up, obviously, especially me being a sports fan. Want to see the 100,000 people in Texas in Cowboy Stadium. Want to see the 40,000 people at Texas Rangers Stadium. Want to see the 15,000 people at the lab. Um, that's my thing. Like I thrive off the fan. I thrive off interaction with fan. Um, so do I want to see things open up? 
of course, but safely. The way Texas went about it, am I excited that they had 40,000 fans? My heart says yes. But am I worried about the next couple weeks for Texas? My brain says yes. When I What I'm curious to see is, outside of Texas, just focusing on New Mexico, kind of switching over to the New Mexico aspect of it is, you know, we've got these these county color codes and things are trending in the right direction greatly, um, dramatically in the right direction for now. Um, the thing about viruses, whether you have a vaccine for them or not, um, they have peaks and valleys. They just do, no matter what you're doing to protect yourself. So this thing is probably going to peak again even though the vaccine has been given out to several people, I actually get my second dose tomorrow. Um, so, so even though that we have a very high vaccine rate and we're trending upward in the right direction, we're eventually going to see cases come back. Um, no matter what you're doing, whether you're wearing masks or not, that's just kind of how viruses work. Um, and it's kind of how this virus has worked and I'm not going to get into numbers and facts and this and the other, but the shutdown, open up, shutdown, open up thing needs to stop. And we just need to stay the course with where we are now. Um, and not freak out if cases go up because cases are going to go up at some point in time. Um, because especially seasonally in New Mexico, uh, I get sick this time of year every year, um, whether it's allergies or, uh, in fact, at this very moment, all three of the people in my house besides me have strep throat. So it's just things happen, whether you have the vaccine or not. So and I'm I'm happy to be getting my second vaccine. I'm happy that we're turning in an upward direction. I hope we continue to trend in that direction. But if there is a spike, there's which there most likely is going to be, then let's not freak out. Let's not point fingers. Let's not divide everybody even more. Let's just stay the course, relax, get through it. We'll eventually see cases go back down again. Um, But in the case of like New Mexico United, opening up at 15,000 would not be good. And I don't necessarily, as much as I want to see that, uh, I don't want to see that. Partly because I think if we did and it was a super spreader event, uh, there just wouldn't be anybody allowed after a while. And then partly because um, a lot of people's lives would be affected in a negative way with that. So just a sidebar, are you getting Moderna? Yeah. I want to know how you feel afterwards because I get mine tomorrow too. I will let you know what time do you get yours. Two thirty. And mine's ten, so I'll let you know. Um, I've had I've had a lot of people say that the second shot knocked them on their ass, um, but I've also had a lot of people say that their arm got a little sore just like the first one, and they were fine. So, in fact, we had a, a friend. Uh, a guy that we buy um, equipment for, or not equipment, buy um, parts from that just got his second one last week 
and he said it was fine. The lady that one of the ladies that works in the office got her second one last week or no, her second one. She got her second one when we got our first ones the same day and she was fine. So I, I think it just kind of affects people differently. I, I imagine people, I imagine I'll be a little tired. I imagine my arm will hurt. I might get a fever. I'm not expecting much more than that. Yeah. Anyways, we're not going to go on COVID vaccine rants. <laughs> no, because we could, that's a whole other topic that we could talk yeah. about for a whole other episode because I'm tired of a lot of people's takes on it. And and it, it, it's especially frustrating when I am, shocker, I am an, an evangelical white male that's straight and has a family. Um, so I could be pigeonholed wait, into a lot of different. Wait, you're, you're white. <laughs> okay. Yeah, was, good job. Good job. Um, <laughs> and because of that, uh, a lot of the friends and family that I have are very anti-vaccine, anti-this vaccine, but it's just because they don't do their own research. And it drives me up a freaking wall and we can have a whole, like we need to do a dad ventures podcast where it's just us talking about crap that we're putting up with in the world right now, because it's insane. The things that are going on with family and social media and the world that we're having to deal with, with our kids right now, it's, it's, it's bonkers. So yeah, since getting back on Facebook, I've discovered things about my family that I didn't know. And it's uh, concerning. Dude, it's crazy, man. It's insane. Like, you just, you think, I don't have anybody that I thought I knew, and then they posted something that I was just like, whoa. Most of the people I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But it's just the takes that they have. Like, I got a friend, uh, he's he's an acquaintance, but I'm friends with him on Facebook. And he posted something about, uh, the vaccine and the vaccine card and basically said everybody that gets the vaccine is a sheep and is dumb and blah, 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 blah. Super diehard Trump supporter, right? Like Trump's the greatest Trump, rah, rah, rah. So then I sent him this, I commented on it and sent him this thing that Trump spent like $260 million on an ad campaign to try to get Americans to get vaccinated. And in his little, in his original post, it said, it says right on the card that it's not FDA approved and stuff like this. And I was like, yeah, it's not. But Trump is the one that pushed it through anyways. Trump was really pushing for this vaccine. And then he come back at me, he came back at me and said, uh, you, well, your president is just a fool that can't talk and da, 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 and really wants this vaccine and all of his followers are sheep and i'm like read the comment that i just put dude it has nothing about biden it says nothing about biden it just says trump 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 that's it and he stopped replying after that because i'm just like you guys i get it i get it it's it's a weird time but wearing a mask and getting the vaccine doesn't make you a sheep it doesn't make you an idiot it doesn't make you a fool it doesn't make you the smartest person in the world it doesn't mean that you're smarter than the people that think you're sheep. It just means that you got the freaking vaccine and you follow rules with wearing a mask. That's all it is. 
That's all it is. Anyways, you guys have gotten me off on some <laughs> tangents tonight. My goodness. All right. It's so, a good thing. It's a so so what if you were to get your vaccine at Augusta National? <laughs> Earl. Jacob has left I say this from the I I say this from the bottom of my heart, Earl. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Before you say that, let me take out my earbuds so I don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I say this from the bottom of my heart, Earl. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, I love you. I love you to death. How have you guys played Augusta? <laughs> I have made sure that I have not rubbed my face because you drew that to my attention last week. It's like I have not dove into my face and just like talked like this until now. And I've done it. All podcast. I've done it all podcast <laughs> because you guys have played Augusta and you hate Steph Curry. And I just, I, so I what understand. if, so what if Steph Curry was giving you your vaccine at Augusta national on the 18th green? Yeah. On the 18th. I don't even do, I don't even say the 18th, probably about the 16th or 17th. Because the 18th, I, the 18th, you're already all worn out. So about 16th, 17th, you're still at your, like your last bit of your second wind. See, I was just about to say that I don't think I'd be worn out at 18 because I just played Augusta. But I, I've never played Augusta, so I will the reason, the reason I why will I say, take it from you. The reason why I say 16 or 17 is because 18, you're done. And then you have to pay like $300 again to do it. You can't pay, well, you have to pay to play Augusta, but it you you can't just walk up, like, I can't just fly there tomorrow and walk over there and say, here's some money, let me play. That's not how Augusta works. That's why I don't understand how you played it. Because it's TSA. That's how. Like, I could see how you played Pebble Beach, because anybody can go play Pebble Beach, you just have to pay $500 a round. No. That so, I understand. So Augusta National has a partnership with the federal government. I don't or, care, bro. Like, like I, I, I understand the actual like inner workings of how you played it. My mind is just blown that I'm talking to two people that played Augusta National when I didn't know I knew anybody that played Augusta National 20 minutes ago. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad we can make your life a little bit better today. There you go. I don't know if you did because I think I'm just angry about it now. <laughs> I think I'm just like, how? How did these two, no offense, guys, buffoons, play Augusta National. <laughs> I've been watching this tournament for years, dreaming of playing it, listening to it. My favorite thing is, so they do the media draw the day after Augusta where media members can play it on that Monday. And I, I've listened to seven or eight podcasts of people just recounting their experience while playing it. Just listening to those going, ah, one day, one day, that'll be me. One day, one day I will play it and I will have those memories, and I will have that story to tell. And then come to find out, you guys have that story to tell already. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I probably will never play it again. No, it doesn't, because you've played it once. That's a bucket list thing. Also, also, Seth, or Earl, I don't know why I've been doing that. Probably You guys just got me flummoxed, but Earl, you were probably tired on the 18th hole because you swung the golf club 200 times. <laughs> That's probably why you were tired. Actually, I would probably 
That's that. So the two hundred times that's not your score. It is. It is. I hate to break it to you, but it is. Well, good. Then we're at two hundred twenty-two. There you go. I would probably get around in like 140 uh, is my guess. Yeah, don't flatter um, yourself. Again, I've never played it, so I don't know. But I know so my I, skills as a golfer. <laughs> I was there when I was playing like every weekend. And I still sucked freaking fat eggs. I, I just... I want to ask so many questions <laughs> about this and I just, I have to stop myself right now. We haven't even talked about United. It's 1130 yeah, yeah. guys. We've been going for an hour and a half. We haven't talked to United at well, all. What do you say? We close out this podcast, talk a little soccer, talk a little, you know, talk a little United and uh, hopefully Let's get out, it. get Jacob out of here in, in a good mood tonight. So um, I'm in a, I, I don't know what kind of mood I'm in. Seth. I don't, <laughs> I'm smiling. I can't stop smiling. Even though I'm like dead inside. I just, I, I, it's, it's a very weird feeling. I've never felt this feeling before in my life. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. So I, I think I'll be happy when we get off, no matter what we talk about. But, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of at a loss right now. All right. Well, before we get into the United news, first thing we're going to talk, I'm going to run over real quick. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League did kick off today. The first legs of the round of 16, Marathon in Portland played to a 2-2 draw down in Honduras. Uh, Alawa Hinse, I figured out how to say that, Alawa Hinse and Atlanta United played today. Uh, after Brad Gozan was sent off with a red card in the 43rd minute, Atlanta United did end up winning that leg 1-0 before they come back to Atlanta. And then uh, RKE and Cruz Azul played to a 0-0 draw. So uh, that's the champ- CONCACAF Champions League roundup for today. Uh, more matches tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll talk about some of that next week. And then moving on to uh, more uh, to some closer stuff. Uh, first, there is a little bit of USL news. The first is that it was announced this week that U.S. soccer is going to be implementing a pilot program for concussion substitutes. Um, that's going to go into place this year. Uh, teams will be allowed to make up to two substitutions for con- for concussion protocol. Now, these two substitutes are going to be allowed in addition to the five substitutes that are five regular substitutes that are still being used this year. Uh, now there is a little bit of a rule here that if one club does use a concussion sub, then the opposing club can then make a sixth substitution as well. Uh, just a sixth normal substitution. Um, so interesting there. First of all, I think it's great that U.S. soccer is going to be implementing a concussion rule. I think it's something that's been needed for a while. Um, I think the, the little caveats there is, and, and it's kind of buried, you know, again, the, the five sub rules going to be continued this year. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on those? So I like the fact that it stayed with the five sub rule and it went back to the five subs and it stuck with the COVID the COVID five, whatever that they were doing. Um, I don't, I'm 50, 50 on the concussion one. Obviously if I say I'm against the concussion subs, um, the U S soccer federation or whatever the hell they are, will come down and like burn my house down and neuter my dog or something. So I'm not going to say that, but I am not a fan of it. 
only because teams like Phoenix Diving and other teams that like to dive a lot can utilize that concussion rule and fake an injury. Which I would hate for a club to do that, but that's obviously now on the table as a part of the game plan where if you're in an extra five minutes of the 90, you dive in the first two minutes because you're tired, bring on fresh legs. I I, I see your point. I'm not sure how the USL is going to handle it, but I imagine it's not going to be as big of an issue as you think it could be. Um, I, I definitely don't think it's going to in like MLS. Um, because I think they'll probably have a unbiased doctor there to diagnose the concussions. Um, in the USL, we will see how they handle that. Who does the concussion test? Who, who decides if the player has the concussion and can be subbed out and who, I I don't know who's going to decide that. So, while there is room there that it could be a problem, I'm not sure that it's going to be yet. Or maybe it's going to be now and they'll tweak it to where it's not. I'm not sure. but Because um, I did think about that ever so slightly to begin with. Uh, but I think the good just outweighs the risk that that is. Um, I, I'm not necessarily... Uh, thrilled with the fact that teams could make seven substitutions uh, if they end up needing to. That seems like a really high number. Um, but I also firmly pushed for five subs. I, I remember asking on this podcast last year why three was the number in the first place uh, when it's a sport that you run 90% of the time and have a lot of field to cover and... and I didn't know why there weren't fresh legs in there more anyway. So I thought five was a great number seven. Uh, the potential for seven anyways kind of jumps out at me, but we'll see how often we actually use this, how often this rule comes into effect this year. If it's something like where every game um, something's happening where a sixth sub is getting used or something like that, might need to think about changing it a little bit. But um, overall, I think the idea of a concussion sub is awesome. I think it's needed. Um, but we'll have to see how they work it, how they fine-tune it, and how they tweak it to where it works perfectly. You just don't want the U.S. Soccer Federation to burn your house down. No, no. The U.S. Soccer Federation is a joke. Um I will I will say that as loud as they want. I will say it to the face of whoever's in charge of it. Um the way they're the way they're doing the US Open Cup, which we talked about last week, is is a joke. Uh the way they do a lot of things around here is a joke. So this is the one one bright spot in otherwise a dark black hole that is the US Soccer Federation. Yeah, you know, I, I think concussion subs is a good thing. Again, how much they're gonna get used, I don't know. But I think having them available is definitely going to be a benefit to the player's health and making sure that you don't have players, you know, trying to run out and continue to play with concussions and, you know, getting them off the field so they can be, you know, 
observed and tested and, and, and things like that, making sure that they are actually okay to either continue or, you know, pull them out with the rest of the match just as a precaution. So, but yeah, if it starts to become an every match thing, if both clubs are using, you know, both subs, like that's, that's an issue. You're basically having the opportunity to put an entire new club out there on the pitch, you know, every game. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the league regulates that if they make sure that it's not, you know, like Earl said, you know, people faking concussion symptoms or, you know, faking they've had a head injury in order to take advantage of this rule. So we just have to wait and see what happens, you know, see how it's implemented and see what they do. And honestly, I kind of I kind of hope that we would go back to three subs this year, but I understand continuing with the five uh, for at least one more season. I think that the five subs might be here to stay no matter what, which I'm not opposed to. As far as the concussion thing, I, I couldn't quite put my head on why I didn't think that your scenario would be happening, Earl. And and I, I think I think the pushback that I have on it is professional athletes don't want to come out of the game. You talk to Devin Sandoval after he's played four matches in in a week and a half. I don't care how tired he is in the 90th minute against El Paso. He's not going to fake a head injury just to get fresh legs out there because he wants to be out there. I can't necessarily speak to every player, obviously, but I think the majority of the time, especially in a club like, or in a league like the USL, like these guys want moments. They want to be able to be out there to try to make something happen so that they can move on to MLS or somewhere else. So Maybe in Devin's case, I think Devin might be a united lifer and be perfectly happy with that. So he might not be trying to move on to somewhere else and try to do that. But I still don't think he's coming off in the 91st minute just to get fresh legs. No matter who's telling him to do it, even if it is the coach. I don't don't think that's in a lot of these people's minds. All right, and so moving right along, we've got a couple final notes here. These are definitely going to be more geared towards New Mexico United. First off, over on uslchampionship.com, they are starting to do their season preview articles. Uh, if you follow their website in the past, you know they've done this uh, you know, top players, players to watch uh, over of basically the past few seasons, if not longer than that. And Josh Suggs was mentioned in their first article, the top five fullbacks to watch in the league. So give that a look whenever you get a chance. Uh, I think it's fantastic that uh, I could I can give it a look, but uh, their website's so goddamn slow <laughs> that it might load when the season starts. Yeah, I agree with you there. So if you can get that website to load, go take a look at it. And then uh, more directly, more direct from the club, uh, United announced the signing of the 18th Academy player, Albuquerque native. And I please don't you know at me. I'm probably gonna butcher his name, Hiro Loera. Hopefully that's correct. Sure. Pretty close. Uh, that's good enough. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, there's not a pronunciation guide on the on these players, so you know. It, hopefully, we'll get a uh, pronunciation so we get that corrected. So he is out of. Let me see. Where does it say? Classic FC. Not one that I'm familiar with. Uh, most of our guys that come from you know, NM Rush or Real Rapids or things like that. Never heard of Classic FC. So, uh, congratulations to Hiro and you know best of luck at the academy. So yeah, eighteen players already. Who knows how many they're gonna how many they're gonna continue to sign? But um, club continues to grow. So, Classic FC is an AYSO United squad. Okay, good to know. 
Um, so yeah, there's that, uh, good on the club. I mean, it's looking positive. I know the club just finished their, uh, open tryouts. And I think they said there were a couple guys that really are going to get another look. It looks, it seems like or potential signings to the academy 12. Yeah. So, so that's exciting. Um, It'd be really, really cool to see what happens here um, with the Academy, see how much more they're going to, how many more players are actually going to bring in with that. So, yeah, we've, we've talked about the Academy, uh, you know, every time they've made a signing and stuff like that. And it it still just comes down to, I don't know these kids yet, but I'm excited to get to know them and see what the Academy does and see uh, when these matches are going to be played. uh, If there's going to be fans there, because I would, if they play a couple in New Mexico, I'm, I'm going to try real hard yeah. to go watch them because this this could be the future of New Mexico United in a lot of ways, uh, and that's that's really exciting to me. That you know we had, I think I don't know about this last preseason match or or the one against Colorado, but I know at one time at the one Earl was at, there were seven New Mexico players uh, on the pitch at the same time, which is awesome to see. Yeah, the club's doing a really good job of of doing that and making sure that you know stay integrated with the community here in the state. And I think it's something that we're going to keep seeing going forward. Uh, local talent is always good. I mean, they were very, they had a lot of praise for the for the open trialists um, and the level of talent here within the state. So, uh, very very positive news from the club. Very positive thing to hear. And then, uh, last but not least, unless you guys have something else, on Saturday, New Mexico United is back in Albuquerque playing their next preseason friendly. That will be Saturday at with kickoff at 1 PM down at Mesa del Sol. And uh, I believe they announced just a few hours ago that the match would be streamed live on Facebook, Twitter, and um, one other outlet, YouTube, I think. Uh, yeah. by, and it's going to be, the production will be done by Windfire Productions, which I believe is a local uh, production company. So they are promising much uh, better um, aerial coverage or, or uh, video coverage anyway. Quality. Yeah, much better quality. So that's going to be against the switchbacks, of course. Um, so I don't think tickets are available for that still. No, they, they Tickets sold out for all three of the home preseason matches before, when they announced them a while back. So we hope to have boots on the ground. Somebody, uh, one of us three, at least one of us three uh, should be there. It's hard with these away matches. We've had two away matches in a row uh, with limited coverage. We at least had somebody from New Mexico United uh, able to be at the first one in F- or in Tucson against Colorado Rapids, um, and they were doing play-by-play-ish uh, on Twitter. But this last one, we didn't really have anybody there. We did get that um, Amando and Dev scored for us, uh, so we won 2-1 to one there. Dev's goal was a late uh winner um other than that we don't really know exactly how anything looked uh so it's going to be exciting to be able to watch another match um see fans in the not stands because there's not stands there there's just grass but um see fans around the pitch and and uh, enjoy it i think it's going to be weird uh if i make it to this one uh or whichever one i make it to uh, it's going to be weird not being able to be up way up above everybody and see everything. Um, so that's going to be interesting, but uh, it still beats not being able to see them at all. And I, I think that uh, that about wrapped it up. As far as news, I, I don't think uh, the club has said anything else. 
Uh, we pondered before the podcast started what the jersey situation was going to be. Um, don't know if they're going to put out a new one this year or not. Uh, maybe just add a third one. We'll see. But um, guys, it's getting close. We're we're now less than a month away from the opening match of the 2021 season, um, which will take place May 1st at RGV. So one, we got to get our season preview plan together because we haven't we haven't done any of that yet. Um, have to write some questions and do some on the podcast the next couple of weeks as we ramp up to to the to the op- season opener. Sorry, I lost track of what I was saying there. But um, we'll have a lull in other sports. Um, you know, baseball opening week of baseball's gone. March Madness gone. Um, we'll have Augusta. Just a little bit uh, next week if we want to talk about the Masters some, depending on how that goes. Um, but basketball and hockey are kind of just in the middle of the season, not a whole lot going on there. So we should really be able to key in and focus on New Mexico United the next few weeks as we ramp up to the regular season. I'm a little hurt you left out cricket. <sighs> I did. I, I'm sorry. I did watch some. Uh I know Seth did too. He talked about it in the group text text a little bit. Um, I learned that I have to be in the mood for cricket. I can't just turn it on. <laughs> so uh, I I tried to watch a little bit of it, watched a little bit of it, and then kept getting distracted. So um, I will eventually just be in the mood for cricket, and I will pull it up. But the the springtime is not the time to get into a new sport because you have everything I just mentioned. Uh, and it's hard to take all of that in and try to learn a new sport. So uh, there will be a cricket section of this podcast at some point. It's just not going to be tonight. Can we also talk about WrestleMania this weekend? Uh, you'll probably be the only one that watches it, but I will be glad to hear your recap of it. I can't wait. Is The Undertaker wrestling? I think The Undertaker's dead. The Undertaker's retired. It's the first time in 33 years that The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, or Triple H are not wrestling. See, and that's... That is exactly why I don't watch wrestling anymore. Because I took a break from it. And now I know nobody and care about nobody. So... It's hard for me to get invested in people that I just don't know. I was watching the Hall of Fame before this, and Kane was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Kane, wow. Remember some good... See, that's my wheelhouse. You know, Rey Mysterio, Undertaker, Kane, Goldberg, Triple H, Stone Cold. Stone Cold is even a little bit before, like, my peak. Stone Stone Cold has a podcast. I know. I know. Stone Cold is a national treasure. That's what Stone Cold is. I've met Stone Cold. I've actually got dogged on by um, Howard Finkel. I've met Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> I've been to Howard WrestleMania. Here, You've been to WrestleMania? That's cool. Three so, times. So I've met uh, Cody Rhodes, Dustin Ronalds, Dusty Rhodes. Again, you can pay money to go to WrestleMania. Anybody can do that if they want to. Yeah, I'm going next year in, t- in Dallas. That doesn't mean you can meet Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, you so. can. If you pay for the fan access, you can. 
That's true, but I'm assuming that's not what no. Seth did. No, he uh, he worked out at the same gym as my as my mom when I when I've I met really... I've met Santino Morella if you remember him. I have no idea who that is, uh, Seth. I really wanted you to say that you met Stone Cold at Augusta <laughs> the time you played it, because then I would have just been like, "Fuck it, I quit, I quit, I'm done, I'm out." So I'm glad that that wasn't yeah, the case. No, no, that wasn't the case. With that being said, guys, um, it's been a long one. It's been an emotional roller coaster for me. Uh, I've had some ups. I've had some downs. Um, so I'm going to make this short and sweet. Wear your masks. Get the vaccine if you feel inclined to do so. I don't care if you do. I don't care if you don't. Um, treat people with respect. Don't be douchebags. United will be at home in four days for a preseason. And we're this close. We're, we're just a little over a month away from the home opener. Um, and I can't wait. So with that being said, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Thanks for any rates and reviews that you guys leave. Any feedback whatsoever. We love your feedback. We don't get much of it yet. But uh, when we do, we are very excited about it to see what you guys want and what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. So continue to let us know. Continue to be active on social media. We love talking to you guys on there. Uh, If you want to reach out to us personally, you can do that through any of our personal social medias. You can also reach out on the Somos Mas social medias. Somos Mas NM on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I can't wait for this season. I can't wait for a season that feels more like the opening season that wasn't weird and wonky and divided and distant. And um, so I can't wait. I can't wait to see people's fans in the stands one last time or again for the first time in so long. And um, yeah, just, just be safe out there. Earl, you got anything? You done? Yeah, I'm done. I don't got anything. Everything you said is exactly how I feel. Stay safe. Perfect. Yeah. So with that, guys, we'll be back next week. We will probably have some sort of season preview starting next week. Um, if not the week after that, but yeah, it's, it's a great time. Springtime is the best time for sports fans, especially. Uh, and part of that is because Somos or New Mexico United will be starting back up. So tune in again next week. We'll be right here on Twitch. I'm assuming, I think Twitch is gone, but we'll probably be on Twitch. Um, and you can always catch the podcast a couple days later once we get it out there. So until next week, guys, somos amigos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news on New Mexico United and weekly discussions about the sports world at large. All shows are recorded live from New Mexico using Zencaster and are edited using Audacity. Each and every show is produced and edited by Seth Bedoff and Jacob Terrell. Me to my to my Google search to find out what the fuck a USA duck is. Do you not remember the Mighty Ducks? I do remember the Mighty Ducks. Do you remember the second one where they became Team USA at the Junior Goodwill Games or whatever? Also known as the best Mighty Ducks. 
Wait, so there was a second Mighty Ducks? There were three. And there's a there's TV three, show now. Bro. There's a TV show. What? I saw it on Hulu that there's a TV show. Yeah. Emilio Estevez is back. But yeah, the second Mighty Ducks is by far the best Mighty Ducks. Oh my god. I think Jacob's got the hot takes tonight. <laughs> How is that? Hey, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. No, I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I have to. I guess I could. I guess I could see it. You know, three obviously is not the best one. Uh, three is trash. Three. So, get three out of here. Yeah. Three is not good. All right. We're back live. So, so three is three is D three. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That one was hell. <laughs> yeah. That one. That one's not great. The second one. So the second one is where it's the Mighty Ducks plus the cowboy, the female goalie, the speedy guy, the cat, the second, the second Bash brother. And is that it? Was there just four new guys? Uh, They had the knuckle puck kid. Yeah, but he comes. Yeah, he comes in later. Oh, when the tournament already starts. Yeah, Russ was the cowboy. Then you've got uh, Portman, who is the second Bash brother. You've got Julie the Cat Gaffney. Mm-hmm. And then I. Uh, Mendoza? Mendoza. Yeah, is Luis Mendoza. Mendoza, Luis Mendoza the, speedster? the speedster. Yeah. That can't stop. Yep, that's the one. So you have you have those four characters mixed in with all the originals. You have all the originals gathering themselves to play. So they like literally roller skate through a mall yes. with a duck call <laughs> to go get one of the players. Gold, uh, it's great. It's the best. Not Goldberg. It's uh, uh what's his name? The the oh and the kids are working at the movie theater. Yeah, Averman, the, the curly headed yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. God, it's so crazy how much I remember that. <laughs> and then you have you have a scene where they're all staying in a like a dorm room type thing, yeah. and they put shaving cream in the cowboy's hand yep. and tickle his face and he puts a then they go to rodeo drive yep and, no rodeo here <laughs> it's great it's it's fantastic okay yeah i can see it i can see it yeah no i started i started watching uh the the show the other night and the first i've seen the first episodes so far no maybe the first two and they're actually really good it's got a i haven't watched the i want to yeah I just have you should. It's got Emilio. It's got Emilio Estevez is back, and it's mm-hmm. got uh, Lauren Graham from um, uh, Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, Girls yeah. and Parenthood, and you know a couple other shows. But yeah, no, it's really good. And uh, supposedly, some of the original cast is coming back as well. So, I had a giant crush on her when Gilmore Girls first was Lauren out. Graham, yeah, I never watched it. Well, and then my wife just rewatched it, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I can see why I had a crush on her. <laughs> it makes sense. It does. So, but Earl went down a rabbit hole because <laughs> he is locked into Google. We now have Earl researching uh, Mighty Ducks. So, so it's I, either uh, the, the USA Ducks, and then and then at halftime or at one of the. Is, after I know the, that after there's the not halftime. Period, yeah. Was it the second? After period? the second period. So yeah. I know there's not halftime in hockey, but. It feels like it was during halftime, but they switch back to the to the ducks, and that's when they actually get like the Anaheim Ducks looking logo on their kit on their jerseys. Yeah. It's a great movie, great movie. At the end, they sit around the campfire saying, "We are the champions." It's fantastic. <laughs> I love that movie. I'm probably gonna watch that movie tomorrow now. Not a bad idea. 
Not a bad I'm idea. I'm probably going to go to bed and watch this movie. Yeah. There you go. In fact, I'll tell you right now, 